We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. What is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a casual Friday episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Warrior Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. Like I said, casual Friday means my man, Aaron Quinn, cover one, is with me. A little little bit of an illness last week, man. How, how, how you feeling? What's going on? Yeah, it was a... Um... A weird week, a weird couple weeks, man. Like since Christmas, uh, one we haven't met up. We've only met up once, right? Since the Christmas season here, yeah. um, we had the crazy snowstorm. We got to talk about that. I was so sore after that snowstorm for a couple of days, and then uh, we went skiing, and that was a terrible experience. I went skiing, and I'm not a good skier yet. And my father-in-law took me up the mountain, and I got even more sore from doing that. It was uh, luckily I didn't get actual injured uh, doing that, but. And then that led to, you know, um, her, my wife's parents were up and then my mom came up and my mom, when she came up, she had COVID, uh, didn't know it. She got here and then we got second dude. I, the two, I was already like really sore and kind of achy from all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, not in the best shape that I've been in the last couple of years going into it anyway. And, uh, then getting COVID, I think I was just like tired um, all that stuff going on, lots of stress and COVID just hit me wicked hard for like two and a half days. It wasn't good. I was just laid up. I thought I was going to get a bunch of work done because I had to kind of isolate. I didn't get anything done, dude. I just slept. I didn't feel good at all. Uh, but then it just disappeared. It was honestly, I woke up one day and I had the fever and it got over it and uh, disappeared. So luckily, hopefully nothing pops back up here. I'm still, I guess, technically in the window where it could pop up. I'm uh, feeling great the last few days uh, and shook it. But man, it hit me hard for a couple of days for sure. Fatigue? Fatigue was the biggest thing? Tired, man. Just achy. I think it just added to the soreness I had. Um, and just every time I got out of bed and started trying to move around, whenever I'm sick, I try to get moving to get the juices flowing, man. Every time I tried moving around, I couldn't. I was taking ibuprofen all the time just to try to you know, it just felt like a, I hate to minimize it because of the experience a lot of other people have had. But for me, it felt like a very bad flu. Uh, and I just don't I don't do well sick, man. I'm a huge baby. When I'm so sick. I yeah. needy, needy, super whiny. needy. Yeah, my poor wife. She had to take yeah. some time off work <laughs> and wait on my dumb ass. Like and I'm texting her like, oh, can you get me this? Like just whiny. Uh, I'm the worst. Yeah, it's been a, a divided house here over the last couple of years with COVID. My, my wife has gotten it twice, actually. Mm-hmm. My son and I, neither of us have had it. My daughter's had it. I, she's had it once. Um, yeah, well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, Thanks, man. We're going to talk, obviously. I mean, it's a huge week for the Buffalo Bills. Playoff time. You know, real quick, before I do get into anything else, mm-hmm. we were talking for just a couple minutes here. I, I wanted to bring this up while it's fresh in my mind. We were talking for a few minutes before we started rolling out the tape here. And cover one is like grown by leaps and bounds over the last handful of years. And we were kind of talking about like the off season, you know, sometimes it ends abruptly and certainly that's not the expectation this week, but right. it's just, you know, when you talk about like, say, cause I'm doing some rebranding, I'll talk about that. I was going to say for those who are not watching the show on YouTube, it looks fantastic. Pat. I love what you've done here. Super clean, great stuff, man. Yeah. So it's one step of a handful of things. That are coming up, but you know, like we'll cover one too. You're always like rebranding, changing your look, changing some things about the way, whether it's you or Greg or Eric or just all you guys, the way you do your shows, you know, the, the schedule and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, 
there's really not an off season when it comes to you anymore. You know what I'm saying? It used to be maybe a handful of years ago, the bills would, would lose. You'd have a wrap up show or two. And then it's, a, you could you take know, a little time. Yeah, take a little bit of time anyway to kind of regroup. But you, know, out, you yeah. guys have grown to the point where there is no like off season for you guys uh, whatsoever. But just the thought of something potentially ending abruptly is um, it's uh, a podcaster. It's like ugh. when we started doing this, it's still very much a hobby. Like, right. Like we, um, it is a business for us. Uh, you know, Greg, Eric and I own a business and operate it as a business, but it, everybody's got full-time responsibilities and jobs. And so it is still sure. a part-time thing for everybody. But when it started, it was really a hobby. Right. And so you had, um, goals and the things you wanted to achieve, but you could afford to, you know, at the end of the season, like you said, do the wrap up show, talk about the clock or cleanup day and, and what you are going to be doing going forward. And then you could take a couple weeks off and you didn't get hit up all the time and not to sound whatever, man, but like if we do, take a week off or even now at this point, like miss a Twitter space as you get people hitting you up because there's an expectation yeah. that the content's going to be in that podcast feed. And we put so much work and effort and money. This is the same conversation I have. People sometimes try to poke and give you, give me a hard time about paying for Twitter blue and getting that check mark. I was never given a check mark. Um, I'm, I might not be important enough. I think some of it is if I worked for a different outlet, I would have just been given one just for working for the outlet. So, yeah. um, to me, the check mark doesn't mean as much, but uh, paying for it, I think it would be silly if you're making content to not be paying for the check mark because you're just you're fighting against the current and taking your own time and energy and all that. What goes on into putting out content, which you know, Pat, yeah. it's a lot of work behind the scenes that people know. It's not just getting on and chatting every day. Right, this is the easy of, part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if you weren't doing these things and participating in the algorithms, like you aren't going to get seen. And so I, I don't have any problems with stuff like that, whether it's trying to get out there and paying to get your uh, name out in the algorithm algorithm. Cause it is a lot of work, man. And there is no off season to it anymore when people expect the content to be out there. And so, yeah, we were talking like, the things that are tough are, especially during the season, what you're doing right now, the rebranding. We have a number of shows and there's definitely a list of work as a guy that helps with, you know, does a lot of the graphic work for the network. There's a list of stuff I haven't been able to get to here uh, in season. And I'm trying to determine when is the offseason going to start, you know, and then when do I jump into draft season? You know, the way the NFL structured things, if you're an NFL content creator, man, it's all year long. You get a few weeks right before training camp starts up. Uh, where there isn't much expectation of, of what you're talking about, but it's right. a really all year long product now. It's fun though. A yeah. lot of work, but it is fun. And, and, and we take too. breaks like sure. uh, mid February, my family and I are going on a vacation and Greg right. will take over and get gas. So there's ways to kind of stagger some things and say, but there is definitely the expectation to have a show in the podcast feed every single week. Well, yeah, like, but that's a good thing. And like you said, and to your point also about, having that blue mark it also matters for content itself too you know like uh for an example being able to put clips i like putting clips up and sometimes they're more than two minutes or 20 seconds yes, and regular definitely. twitter that's a limit of what you can get if you have that little blue mark it allows you to you know sometimes it might be three and a half or four minutes the the segment and you really can't cut it so you're able to put the whole thing out there's lots of things that are uh that are worth it like i said we're going to talk bills in just a, a handful of minutes. But, I mean, this is Casual Friday, and what I like to do on this show, especially having you on every week, when healthy, anyway, yeah. or when there's not a blizzard going on, is uh, we like to talk about other stuff, pop culture things, TV, film, things like mm -hmm. that. This is why I call it Casual Friday, and you know, the conversation is a little more casual than the other shows. Uh, you and I both read a – and this came out a couple weeks ago. And, again, this was – we were going to talk about this last week – um, but 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 then you fell sick. The Ro Rolling Stone magazine put together a list of the 200 greatest singers of all time. And I saw this and I immediately thought of you. I was like, this is definitely something that you and I are going to be discussing on this show. And uh, I want to run down. So, again, this was the top 200 list. I want to run yeah. down the top 20. Now, I personally, and by the way, I have not, I told you what we're going to talk about. But I haven't. I have no, you know, knowledge ahead of time of what your thoughts are. Right. Of this, you might think these lists are great. You might think they suck. I have no idea. I just found this interesting. I wouldn't go as far as to call it clickbait, 
but there's just some stuff on here that's like man, I think you're like, doing this for a reaction. Yeah. Let me run down the top 20 for everybody who's listening or watching right now. And um, and again, I personally yeah. I don't think the top 20 is very egregious. Um, don't agree with all of them, but I, I'm gonna run these down and then we'll start to get into some specific uh conversations here. But anyway, they're top 20 greatest singers of all time. And that's what the the word he says, greatest singers of all time. Um, top 20 going down. Marvin Gaye at 20, Frank Sinatra 19, Celia Cruz at 18. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I I don't know who Celia Cruz yeah. is. And I pride myself. I know a lot about music. Right. Don't know who she is. I'm sure I'll hear about that from somebody. Elvis 17, Prince 16, Bob, uh, Bob Dylan 15. Freddie Mercury, 14, Patsy Cline, 13, John Lennon, 12, Little Richard, um, 11. Top 10, Al Green at 10, Otis Redding at 9, Beyonce at 8, Stevie Wonder at 7, Ray Charles at 6, Mariah Carey at 5, Billie Holiday at 4, Sam Cooke at 3, Whitney Houston at 2, and Aretha Franklin at number one. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start here. Yeah. Just here in that top 20 specifically, yep. is there any names that really pop out to you? Like, wow, that's really surprising that, I mean, if they're in the top 20, for the most part, you probably think they're too high. Although maybe and I'm wrong and there's a couple that you might think are too low, but uh, without getting into anyone else yet. Yeah. In the top thoughts when you hear that. Here was my thoughts on the top 20. Again, we haven't talked about this. I, I've been interested to talk to you about this one. Uh, just all the conversations we've had about music in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start at the top. I'm fine with Aretha being number one. It's not for me uh, that I don't even know that she'd be my top five, but I get it. It's an iconic voice sound. I can I can get there. I can be mm-hmm. there at number one. That's fine. I'm not going to fret over that. Billy Holiday at four feels high. Um, I'm cool with Mariah in the top five. You're not going to get any fights from me in terms of vocalists. Um, I think she's right there. Whitney, I think, would be my number one. Her being at two is also cool. Um, I, I, here where is where I start to get real issues. Ray Charles ahead of Stevie Wonder is kind of silly to me. And also them being back-to-back is kind of silly to me. It feels... Mm-hmm. That feels contrived. Like it feels that you just did that because it's two blind guys that are, had really great talent. But one, I think Stevie was way better and way more influential in terms of sound of music for multiple uh, years, multiple decades of uh, sure. sound that he brought to music um, and just much more classic uh, music. So I would have Stevie ahead. Beyonce is not top 10 for me. I-, I will die on this hill that I like Beyonce. She makes good songs. I, I don't think she's where people believe she is in terms of female vocalists i I think there's a lot of recency bias in there and she's a product of the music industry system like her and her family have played that thing perfectly and they've lined it up she's very talented i'm not taking anything away from her but there's women way more talented and way better singers than her further down this list and so i don't think she's top 10 that's bad um I don't think Otis Redding belongs in the top 10, especially Marvin Gaye's at 20 and you got Otis Redding at nine. Like I do like Otis Redding, but come on. Like there's just some spots in this list. Little Richard doesn't belong in the top 20. Um, John Lennon at 12. Like I'm not a Beatles dude at all. I don't like that sound. Like I can't get there with the type of vocalists again, that are beyond on this list. Again, I think some of the stuff's fine. Princess 16's fine. But I think he's a better musician than a lot of the people on this list. Like I would have him up higher too. So then kind of that top 20 Elvis, like I'm not in Elvis. I think there's a lot of pop culture stuff. I don't think he's one of the top 20 singers of all time. It's a weird sound. It definitely captured something. I don't know. It's too broad of a brush, this list. It, and when I you agree. start painting it, it not, a lot of things just don't make sense. It doesn't add up. I keep emphasizing that they call this the top 20 singers of all time and not the, or the top 200 singers. There's a difference between a Not top singer, artist, you know, like for an example, you want to talk about artists and you might have Beyonce in the top three just sure. because of what she's done and her success, her brand, everything about her. I agree with you vocally. I'll say this though. Beyonce doesn't sing a ton of slow songs where she really, really gets to show off her voice. You know, a lot of her stuff is more upbeat she's with the times. Voice, yeah. I, lo- I love her. I-, I agree with you, though. I-, I think eight might be a little bit too high. I'll tell you, I have no problem with the top four. 
Aretha Franklin at one. Whitney Houston, I do agree. I think Whitney might be my number one as well. Actually, none of these are my number one personally. I'll tell you about that in a second. However, this would be Pat Moran's list and not a Rolling Stones list, so I understand why no one else on earth would probably agree with this. But anyway, Aretha at one, Whitney two, Sam Cooke. I love Sam Cooke at three, and Billie Holiday at four. I, I like that. Listen, in, in the 90s, Mariah Carey was incredible. I mean, her, her music's undeniable, her voice on her records, but what I've always... Not always, but in over the last several years, you ever hear her sing live? Dude, don't sound, it's kind of like boys to men to me. I was so disappointed, not to get too off topic here, but I will never forget this. I, I heard boys to men music. I'm like, oh my God, I love this group. And I still do love them, their music. It'll live on forever with, with me. And I'm sure you too, but hmm. heard them live, dude. It's like, eh. Didn't sound really good live. Mariah, maybe back in the day when she was much younger, she was, she sounded incredible live too, but man, over the last 15, 20 years, maybe not as much. Anyway, I, I, th I think Mariah Percy is too high at five. I think Marvin Gaye is too low at 20. I've never heard of Celia Cruz, so I, I really can't comment on her. I agree yeah. with you about Prince. He's almost more of a musician than like a great singer. Again, Her, yeah, artist, unique voice. Yeah, unique, sure. The top, one of the top 200, one of the top singers, 16, yeah. 16 singers. But again, time. though, it sound it seemed like this list was more broad, broad. Like I know it said singers, but the way I, I don't know what they're uh, what they laid out for a guide for how they got this. But Kirk Cobain's on this list in the top fifty, and so it can't be vocals. Yeah, like that's got they've got to be accounting for those I, other I, things you said: the singing, songwriting, the right. what their uh, influence on pop culture was, like those types right. of things. Now I'll say this too, like you know, so this is a, a compilation of a bunch of Rolling Stone journalists. Yeah. I don't know who these people are. It would be kind of like if we were doing a a top Buffalo Bills players of all time, and it was featuring you know me and Aaron Quinn and Joe Marino and Greg Thompson and Bruce yeah, Dolan yeah, yeah. all and Nate Gear and all these guys. We know each other, so we kind of know what each other are thinking. I don't know who these people are, but I would imagine that they all got to take turns making a bigger presentation because some of these people that are on this list are, are like people from the last two or three years. And I'm like, how the hell, you, all the years of music decades, you got people who have two or three hits that are that are on this list already. So there must be some young people represented with uh, you know, these journalists that put this list together. Right. So that was a top 20. Um let me give you, and I'll give you a couple of time or a couple of minutes to digest things. I got a couple of thoughts here. And again, I would suggest people go read it. Uh, I'm not going to put a link up because it's a long one, but just go to Rolling Stone, the magazine. There's an article, top 200 greatest singers of all time. Yeah. It would be here all day if we ran through all 200. But um, just these are little things that I'm talking about vocally. Like they got Alicia Keys at 185. That's honestly pat not mm. to cut you off here the first you sent me this article i got really excited i scrolled down like 20 seconds it didn't know a bunch of names there's a couple mm -hmm. of new artists like you said and then i freaking see alicia keys and i almost like lost my you were like don't tell me any opinions on this but i almost was like <laughs> no fuck you i'm not doing this show i was so offended and then it just kept coming up at the further we got down this list and the people and the names that i saw like i love sade sade uh, somewhere around 50 She's yeah. great. I love Sade. You can't put her over Alicia Keys' voice, dude. You can't I, do that. You can't do you're, that. You're reaching the choir. So she's at 185. Mark Anthony, a great singer. He's at 167. Carrie Underwood, who's becoming one of the most successful country music artists of all time, actually, and an amazing singer. She's at 158. And then I look at this list and again. I, back there too, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. And I got some notes. Sorry. So I like I like REM. They're fine. Michael Stipe's a good singer. Sure. But he ain't, he's ranked higher than Alicia Keys, Mark Anthony, and Carrie Underwood. Now, John Worrell or Bulldog from WGR might love that shit, but come on, man. Singing, get out of here. Uh, Barbara Streisand, I don't know how you feel about her, but she's a goddess to me. 147, get the fuck out of here. 147, barely cracking the top 150. Uh, Christina Aguilera at 141, which <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I, and I got this in my notes. Look, I love Eldebarge. Going back in the day, but he's ranked higher than Barbara Streisand and Christina Aguilera. Bono being at 140. Get the L fucking DeBarge is ranked higher than Christina Aguilera and Barbara Streisand. Um, yeah, I'm looking through this list again at the Taylor Swift commercial. Lauren Hill at 136, a criminal. 
I know she doesn't have a huge discography, but it's on tape. No, dude. She, she, she's it. amazing. Taylor Swift. I love. Look, man, I like me some Taylor Swift. I love listening to her music. She's Is she a fun. great singer, though? She ain't she's better like a fun than the songwriter, people. right? She's forty spots higher than Christina Aguilera or Barbara Streisand. That's just something I, I, I cannot get past. Yeah. Now let me tell you. Here, here here's what I was. Courtney Love's on this list, man. Like this is. Yeah. I get it. They they want all types of, of genres represented, and and they want all types of periods uh, of music it. history represented. So I could totally respect them. That's why I respect you know so so many. Uh, current artists being in there as well going all the way back to 30s and shit like that here's the one though i don't know if i've ever told you this or not my personal number one was ranked 126 on this list I'm, just, this gonna, I'm just on him right now personal donny athlete to me is my I, in my opinion he's certainly my favorite male singer of all time not even my favorite i think he's the best male singer of all time tragically his life was you know cut short didn't live long but 126 to me is just absolutely fucking criminal. Uh, John Fogarty is ranked higher than Donnie Hathaway, for Christ's sakes. That's criminal. <laughs> that's in my notes. Bill Withers at 106 and Eddie Vedder at 105. Gladys Light at 101. None of them cracked the top 100. That's that's tough to believe. I'm not a big 90s. I don't know if you, I don't think you're a big 90s, like grunge rock kind of guy. I, 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 am, I was kind of like mainstream to an extent, certainly not to the level of, I wasn't really I ever like grunge. I liked like uh, I don't know more of that like all nineties alt rock. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, Eddie Vedder from from Pearl Jam, incredible vocalist. So I, I thought that was just uh, too the low. The weekend being at one ten is kind of in, so insulting to Donny Hathaway, man. Yes, yes, That's and so I like insulting. the weekend. The weekend, <laughs> like, I like the weekend. Yeah, there's good music. He no, he ain't Don, insult, he's not. Dude. He's not Donny Hathaway. Um, yeah, what was he got? Now, Stevie Nicks, one of the most distinctive voices ever in music. Um, long, illustrious career, and she's only at 93. And that he passed over Bill Withers at 106. He should get some love. <sighs> yeah. Here's the and here's the one that kind of gets me the most, maybe. Now, again, this is this is singers, not artists. So you can make a case that maybe he's not top five. I, I would argue against it, but Michael Jackson's at 86. Dude, right? I got it. Yeah. Go I wanted to, I literally laughed out. You know, we say LOL all the time on social media. I literally LOL'd in real life when I saw this and he was 86. Mm-hmm. To me, this says this, uh, this article is getting too much. The, the attention It's getting too much attention. You don't even deserve it. If you got Michael Jackson at 86. Now, look, I'm a big journey, dude. Steve Harry back in the day. I love journey. Steve Perry, great singer. He's better than Michael Jackson because he's ranked higher than Michael Jackson. Yeah, they got Kurt Cobain at number 36. <laughs> Pat. How's Michael? <clears throat> how are you telling me that there's 85? Forget about success or artist or dance. And no matter, yeah. There's there's 86 or 85 better vocalists than Michael Jackson. I got a note here at 40, because I, I had notes through about the top hundred, and then I got busy with everything mm-hmm. else. Um at 40, I Aaliyah. Is at forty nine. God damn it, I love Aaliyah, and I have no problem with Aaliyah being at forty. That doesn't bother me. But I hadn't seen Michael or Janet yet. What are you doing? What kind of list are you going? Like, I love Aaliyah, like the king of pop. And in my opinion, Janet is, uh, I think, underrated as the best female performer musician of all yeah. time. Um. And they're not even showing up on the list in the top 40. Like, you're crazy. This is a crazy list, Pat. I was so, there's so many triggering things happening while I was going through this. Really one, is, it, I'm glad you brought up if Michael you, being so far back here. If, 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 you, <laughs> if you care about music, this list could trigger you. Um, yeah. I, got, I got a couple more, too, in my notes. You know, Janis Joplin, one of the most powerful male or female singers of all time. She's mm-hmm. only 78. Um, I think Bruce Springsteen should be mu- ranked much higher than he is. He's only at 77. You and I are both R&B guys, so I'd be surprised if you didn't agree with me. Uh, Luther Vandross only being 31. That's I think relative. D'Angelo at 75 is way low. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think A lot D'Angelo, of people don't know him, though. Man, he like the sound. Um, I do think people should go back. And look up, there's like a period of sound of like a blend of hip hop and R&B coming together, uh, like the roots, 
Jay Dilla, Erica Badu, and D'Angelo mm-hmm. was really at like the heart of it all. And those two albums he put out in the late '90s, early 2000s. If you are an RB fan, like uh, the Donny Hathaway, the like the the Sam Cooke, those classics R&B, uh, I, I think D'Angelo's albums represent that probably better than anything like out of that 90s 2000 era like it mm-hmm. is so soulful and good um i do think people should probably get on that because he probably belongs a little bit higher than 75 if, in my opinion if i'm pounding the table for a guy out back here i don't like asking we've talked about this on the show before i'm not a big fan of asking people who listen or watch to do things like i'm not i end up doing it but i don't like asking people you know to subscribe to the show and like the show and subscribe to the podcast and, and do all this stuff i'm urging you especially if you're a younger person Go Google Donny Hathaway, go to Spotify Music or whatever, and play some of his music. This guy vocally was as good as it gets uh, for anybody. And uh, here, it, go ahead. Where were you? were in the 60s, right? Because I'm scrolling through here. David Ruffin is on this list at 66. And you want to talk about like powerful, influential sound of male vocals? Like, mm-hmm. Uh, people love the Temptations, one of the better selling Motown groups of all time, spans generations. If you know your history on The Temptations, David Ruffin was a uh, the lead singer of The Temptations for a very brief time. But if you ask anyone to go give you Temptation songs, it's going to be all David Ruffin hits. And mm-hmm. he's got hits on his own. And his life also ended tragically short. Um, but the I I would go on Spotify and look at um, Temptation songs. Uh, you'll you'll hear that raspy David Ruffin sound in those, and then some of his own work in the the raw pain and emotion in this guy's voice, man, at 66, like this is what I'm saying. When you got Kurt, no offense to Kurt Cobain, rest in peace. He had a huge influence in sound, but having those guys at 36, when you have these just beautiful voices sitting back here in the sixties drives me nuts, dude. There's one more thing on my list. Gripe that I have um, that I, that I wanted to hit on specifically. So I say Donny Hathaway is my number one male singer of all time. My number two, male singer of all time only comes in at 23 on this list and it's Smokey Robinson not the most powerful voice in our history but the most distinctive just every syllable that comes out of his mouth mm-hmm. is sung with passion this dude is incredible and him being 23 again I I like I I look at that top 20 that I read off to you at the beginning and just you know right off the top Prince and I, and I, I like Prince, but like uh, John Lennon, who you know, as much as I love the Beatles, to your point earlier, now you don't love the Beatles as much mm-hmm. and that kind of music. I do, but John Lennon was arguably not even the best singer in his own group. You know what I mean? Paul McCartney. Sure. I don't, I don't even know where he is on this list. I, I don't have him in my notes. But anyway, how do you not McCartney's have Smokey at Robinson? At Little Richard, Al Green, Otis Redding, Beyonce. Ray Charles, Yo, I'm just naming people right now that I, I just passed over one. I think that, it, again, is similar to like D'Angelo for me uh, at 31, Luther Vandross. Yeah. Like if there was a more pure, like just smooth sound to a voice like Luther is criminally underrated by people that like R&B now and go like if you go back to those like the sound of the eighties and nineties, that smooth Jerry curl R and B like that was Luther Vandross, man. And, uh, grown people know, uh, that he should be up higher than 31 on this list. Like that voice was, was magic. He's um, top 15 for me. I was going to say, I, I think I can get him around hovering in the top 10, maybe 12, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Now you got, we got to be fair again, if we were doing, and I say this all the time, people, it's always, my list, yeah. I power rank. Well, not even that. So, you know, I'm always power ranking shit. I do it on Twitter or Facebook all the time. And people will always say, well, how did you not have this song in there or this artist in there? That's fair. But if you're going to put someone in, I say this all the time, you're going to put someone in you, but you got to take someone off. Who's good. So you do get up to a point where like, you know, sure. you want to put five or six people in the top 10 who aren't in here. And then, well, all right, well, you got better be prepared. You got to take, five or six off uh, right. the top 10. So it, it could get hard. And again, it's such a subjective list. I get that. Go ahead. I got two for you. One, I didn't see Janet at all on this list, and that pisses me off. Um, and then and two other people that I didn't see that I think would be on a Aaron Quinn or a Pat Moran list, and I think actually would be pretty high up for me, Brian McKnight. <laughs> I don't see anywhere on this list. And I think 
like vocally mm-hmm. um and live you talked about see, seeing people live dude I, i've gone to two Mariah mcknight shows me too and, I, i've been to um, two of them as well i had goosebumps the entire time his voice just live it's a really incredible he's a special thing uh, i i would have him up there and then uh brian adams i think again a dude that <laughs> has a criminally underrated powerful voice if you're watching this on youtube i'm, I'm kind of both of them that you just said i'm laughing and here's why because this is how i was gonna wrap it up for my end i have i made a top five list of the most egregious snubs that aren't that from what i seen aren't even on this list so i'm gonna go backwards number five okay. was brian adams now Real is your Brian Adams being a top 40? No, but he absolutely should be on this list. He's got a spot on the list, yeah. Yeah. Um, number four, R. Kelly. Now, I think maybe because of the stuff that vocally, I almost said all feel like this is a sport. Well, it's like talking about like OJ, like OJ is the best right. running back in Bill's history, right. but R. Kelly vocally, yeah. I mean, come on, he he should have been on uh, this you're list. You're right, you're right. Number three, um, well, this is only singing, so I won't talk about his songwriting and producing and stuff, but Babyface as a vocalist yeah. was incredible get him around that 170 just you know there's he deserved an appearance there's definitely a spot for him for sure um number two brian mcknight to to your point that's why i was laughing um i still have a ticket stub by the way i'll never from may something of i don't remember an exact date but it's 1999 and it's still my wallet it was a brian mcknight concert it was one of the first one last major things been. that I took uh, my wife to actually it was the year 2000, not 1999. I apologize. I was going to say anytime must've been his hit. He was at like Chase. right around, right around yes. 2000 would have yep. been anytime that, yep. that song was. I, I, t- I took my wife to Chase. In yeah. fact, um, I, I, I think I talked to you before uh, uh, about a corny, my proposal and how I thought it was kind of corny, but at any rate, my, my original plan was I wanted to do it at that concert, the Brian McKnight concert. That's what I was kind of laughing when you said that. So yeah. that was number two. And then number one, look, I don't care whether you like her or, or whether you love her or whether you hate her. How the fuck is Celine Dion? Not even in the top 200 of the greatest vocalists of all time. When I noticed that, and, and you know, it wasn't me. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody from the mainstream media who pointed out this list. And that's what got me going and saying, you know what? This would be a good, fun topic for me and Aaron to discuss. It's almost like you're, they're trolling you. How is Celine Dion not in the top 200? Are you telling me that Taylor Swift is better vocalist? And again, I don't even have the list in front of me. I could probably name 40 women that are on this list that ain't better than Celine Dion. Get the hell out of here with that shit. It's pretty wild. It's a wild list, man. Uh, they're just bullshitting. They're trying to get people like you and I worked up. So we talk about it on Twitter. That's all well, this is successfully done what kudos other to you what other thing then a break then football this has got nothing to do with this list but last night my wife told me and i thought she was joking but i don't think she was as, as it kind of sunk in i sent her a tiktok and she wrote back to me she said new kids on the block sucks and i was like it's about to be my ex-wife saying shit like that what's your take on new kids on the block in terms of and this is what I was trying to say with New Kids on the Block because I'm not comparing them to, especially NSYNC, because I think NSYNC and New Kids were completely different types of groups. I think vocally, New Kids on the Block were amazing, quite frankly, late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s, and you know, then then it was a wrap for them. But also in terms of where I think you can compare them and NSYNC and and Backstreet Boys is in terms of popularity. Like, I, man, dude, I'm old enough to have grown up when New Kids on the Block got hot. And the girls, the teenage girls that I knew, my sister, no, not really my sister, but most girls I knew, right. posters, just complete fanatics all over the place. What you, I'm not going to ask you to compare them to, you know, and Ziggy Backstreet who came later on. We should do. Are uh, you a New Kids fan? No, we should do a, um, what do you mean no? I'm not. I, we should do a power ranking sometime, though, a boy band. Well, apparently they're going to be ranked low on your list. Boy groups, they will be. They'll be like maybe even borderline top five. What will give them or borderline top 10 um, even what what would give them an advantage in my list would be that the the influence they had on the market to accept that type of music and to get in those teen magazines and to get on teen walls. I feel like they were really the first to capitalize on that sort of how do we get teen girls all excited which i think in like my mom's generation was kind of the beatles maybe like of what we'd heard about but it wasn't really 
like wanting like crushes like we saw with uh like this was more like girls fantasizing about being with new kids on the block but in terms of music i thought their music was whack i thought that their sound was corny i thought that their style was corny and i thought i have a personal beef with them because i am a new edition guy and oh me too new edition in my opinion is the original sure form of that group and i think what uh new kids on the block and the music industry did was they whitewashed it with some white kids from Boston and they put it out for the mass market who wasn't ready for the urban sound of new edition, even though it was better music, they were better dancers. Absolutely. It was better musicians. Um, our culture at that time, for whatever reason, people can come at me for this. It was more palatable to white suburbia to get new kids on the block and go Absolutely. to those concerts and those shows. And that is what catapulted them ahead of new edition. And I, I hate that. I hate that type of stuff about the music industry. Again, it's what makes me think people put Beyonce on these tops of these lists is because she was palatable to the mass market. Like selling more records does not always equal you are better. Right. Like Drake with rapping. Drake yes. Drake is yes. one of the most successful. In fact, he might be the most successful rapper of all. He's time. not the I'm best not rapper today. No, he's not even in the top 15 or 12. I don't know 15 rappers today. I was talking about all time. But sure. I, anyway, to your point, like new edition. Yes. They, they, and they were, I agree a thousand percent and if you want any uh proof of how good they were look at how they went on to do individually they all became really good individually i would compare like backstreet boys more to new kids on the block like singing a little bit of dancing went out very well and sync to me would be the one to say if you're going to make a comparison years later and sync was more like new edition in terms of a lot of choreographic dancing maybe even the jackson five that's what i would you know, that's what I think about when it comes to NSYNC, because I've always hated people who compare NSYNC to, to new kids on the block, just because they're not the same type, except for that they're five good-looking white young kids, yeah, you know what right. I mean, that the mass market loves. Anyway, I, I just <laughs> I got pissed when she told me that they suck. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll actually talk about something that I know people are going to think are much more important. Uh, Bill's Dolphins. Be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds, Live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sportsbooks to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. 
All right, I'm back here with Aaron Quinn. So let's start with Wednesday. We're taping this, by the way. So we're taping this Thursday morning. I need to put that out there when, when something's going on. Yeah, around 10 a.m. Thursday. So if any, you know, significant Bills news or, or Dolphins news breaks today. Can there be even show. more significant good news for the Bills? It's, it would be harder to top Wednesday because that's kind of what I was getting at. Like in a matter the of... The only news time, might be bad news remaining. Yeah. yeah. twenty And in like a 20-minute span on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh well, first, let's start with the most important thing, and that's Damar Hamlin. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. God, you know, and, and I'll tell you, we could have a whole podcast. We got too much to get to, but I could probably have an entire podcast with you just talking about your thoughts about everything that happened. Because, like I said, you being sick last week, you uh, we didn't do a show, or you didn't, you weren't on the show. And honestly, part of I didn't do shows with anybody last week, and part of it was this, like that Damar Hamlin thing. Like I know it hit a lot of people, yeah. man. This it shook me. Uh, real me too for I real tra- um go ahead i know I, I was gonna say i uh i was supposed to tape on monday night with joe yurden because we do a show every tuesday we said right. can't do it and then went tuesday night i tried to do a little something solo and i just couldn't get through the first 12 minutes at that time but anyway just incredible news if you think about where he was at monday and and, and the likeliness that you know at least the possibility that he wouldn't even be here with us today he was released from the hospital in buffalo we found that out yesterday um we're just remarkable. Like I said, a week and a half later from where he was. And uh, you just know that he's going to be on that field. So he's released from the hospital. He's going to rehab at home and with the bills organization. You just know he's, if he's not on the field this week, he, he, and oh, you got to save him. Win. Right. Like we'll be talking about a little bit here in the, uh, about the game. Um, <clears throat> not to, I don't think the bills are sleeping on anyone and then getting ready for this game is going to be a big deal in that, in that building. But I feel like that type of emotion, maybe you want to say for like, I feel like this game coming up might be like a tune up playoff game, a freebie here with some of the other news we're going to talk about. But uh, I, I feel like maybe save that Demar thing on the Demar talk. I thought mm-hmm. I talked about this a little bit last night on the cover one Buffalo podcast. And now being able to kind of process it all and talk about it in hindsight now that all the news is good, right? All the news is coming up positive sure. for DeMar. And uh, I, I might have been the biggest DeMar Hamlin fan from the time he was drafted. Like I love Pitt DBs. I fell in love with this game. You know me. I love like the adequate guy that late round pick that's going to fight his way up, do all the right things, has the right DNA, like all that stuff, checked all the boxes for a guy for me to like. And then we saw him thrust into that starting role this year. And I was able to really, um, in my opinion, my strength of what I bring to the cover one team is that type of insight on guys that you may think aren't that good. And I can show you why they are uh, mm-hmm. playing at a really good level. And Damar represented that in so many ways. And when you do that as a content creator too, uh, something kind of behind the scenes happens where people close to that person reach, start to reach out to you. Uh, it's happened to me a number of times with players. And I had people in Damar's uh, life, his father, his people in his marketing team, you know, reaching out to me in DMs and hey, thanks for sharing this information. So when this all happened, man, like I don't know Demar personally, like yeah. I don't, but like I've had so much vested in his on-field success in the story of this guy, and like really just falling in in as a fan and supporting this player. And when it happened, it just felt like just a stunner to me. Not that I would have felt terrible for any one of the guys right on the field that it happened to, obviously. Um, but to me and that personal level is just like, oh, this is my guy. Like, and I, I just immediately felt for his fan. Like I've talked to this guy's dad and we've had conversations of, um, you know, people criticizing Damar and he's, you know, talked to me about how hard that is to uh, have those conversations about your son and things like that. And so, and then to see this all play out, I was just heartbroken. And the, the coolest thing was probably the stories of who Damar is. And yeah. uh, the, who his family is. And I think you see that now and how he's fought through this. And that's that, that Bill's DNA that they go to look for, man, that this was present in this story. You know, to your point, it's one thing when you cover a guy and you invest some energy and focus on, on covering him. And yes, it, it doesn't matter who it is. I would feel right. grossed out and, and sick for that person. You know, if it was anybody that this yes. happened to um, off the field, you know, these guys like say, I I seen a couple of interviews with Sal Capaccio and obviously I know Sal very well. I know so many other yep. media people they're around these guys and you know, you could say what you want about the jobs they do. Are they sure. tough enough on the team? Are they too soft or whatever? None of that means anything. They've, they've gotten to know these players personally in the locker room off, off the field and stuff. So 
for somebody like Sal to be on the sideline and, and watching that, it's just, man, it, it, it is. It's tough. On the field, I largely agree with you. I, I thought he played really well, all things considered. Um, I, I think the upgrade between – or the downgrade, I should say, when he's out between Marlowe or Cam Lewis or Jaquan Johnson is significant. I thought he did a very good job of filling in for Micah Hyde. Um, you can't compare him to Micah Hyde, of course. More on him in a second. I was going to say, that was a good segue. More on him in a second. But I, I feel like Hamlin played really, really well early on. Yeah. And then I kind of feel like over the last month or so, he was still playing pretty well. But I felt like maybe he was hitting a wall a little bit. Like he was yeah. starting to make some mistakes. Like I hate even talking about anything football for a half a quarter in that Cincy game. But made a couple of mistakes that game. But Hayden Hurst sure. got past him. Once. I was like, Ugh. in fact, well, I remember I was talking about this. I'm like, I, yeah. scre- I was screaming at the man on, on my TV. To be fair, I think what happened. all the DBs since Von yes. Miller have gone out, I think you've seen a dip in uh, mm-hmm. ability from other teams to move the ball a little bit more. And I don't think it's a huge problem, but sure. uh, move the ball downfield a little bit more against the Bills since Von Miller's absence. Yeah, that, that, that's a fair point. Again, it's not like he was playing bad. I just see sure. a little bit of, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, there was some, a, a there some thing, concerns. Anything, his he first year starting. Missed tackle stuff. What I will say, but you know, before we move on, my thought on Hamlin before the incident was I felt a lot better about the transition of the safety position post Jordan Poyer. I I thought there would still be a drop off, but I felt a lot better about it for 2023. Uh, And so hopefully all these signs of recovery lead to, I don't know if he'll ever play again or if he'll ever get there mentally, but he would be welcome back uh, to me going forward for the future. If he was able to, I don't know what the tests have led to or where his recovery is going to go going forward. But uh, I would love uh, the possibility of the best case scenario of DeMar Hamlin coming back to this team. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that'll be a conversation. I'm sure we hopefully have down the line. You feel the same way I do. Let's just get your man hundred percent healthy and and all that stuff. And then we'll worry about that down the road. Now, This what a was day. so there was a lot that was of buzz. enough for my day. The there was a lot of buzz going on over the past 24 hours leading up to Wednesday that Weeks. uh, this has been Micah Hyde might be coming back because I actually, you know, naturally, once we all knew that DeMar Hamlin was, was first going to live and secondly, that his recovery is going well, and especially that he got released from the hospital, I feel like it was okay to start focusing again on football. Yes, and once we got to the point of football focus, we were like. Man, Micah Hyde, it'd be nice because we heard little hints that he might try to come back late in the season yeah. for the playoffs. Well, that's literally what happened um, on Wednesday. The 21-day uh, practice window has been open. He's already been ruled out for Sunday, so we know he's not going to play. By the way, right. as well, if you're watching this on YouTube, Jameson Crowder, same deal. Micah Hyde really stole his thunder, man. He he, he certainly did. He <laughs> certainly did. Um, let me get your thoughts yeah. on the possibility Mm-hmm. you know, that's a long time to miss literally the entire season, the preseason yeah. to come back. And then you're going to be thrust. Like, let's just say best case scenario, he's able to play if the bills win, of course, this week in the AFC divisional round, quite possibly against the Bengals, but regardless of who the opponent is, whether it's the Chargers, the Jaguars or the Bengals, it'll be one of those three teams. That's a, that, I don't care how great you are. And Micah Hyde is a great safety. One of the best in the NFL, but that, that first of all, on the football field, at the big ask, off the field, I'm sure it's an un, not that they need one, but it's a big emotional lift for the team too mm-hmm. to see him out there. And I mean, the timing goes without saying they need him. You know, they're going to need him anyway. I should say, um, yeah, this was a pretty big bombshell on Wednesday. Yeah, so this one was we've heard rumblings about this, like you had said for a while. Banged up Bills had this right when the injury occurred. That like. If you wanted to take the aggressive timeline, you could find a scenario where he could get back in time for some January, maybe even uh, there were some projections just that late the AFC championship Super Bowl games um, with this uh, injury and the, the rehab for this injury. So that was the aggressive timeline. Um, when I heard that, I kind of scoffed at it like, yeah, maybe. And as it got closer, obviously, to your point, once the Hamlin uh, situation became more stable and we were really felt better about talking about football again, like I've been coming up with my kind of top five or so things that are concerns or things that I'm going to keep an eye on heading into the playoffs for the scene. Like what are the vulnerabilities for this Bills team? I don't want to say problems because they're such a good team and well-rounded season. I don't want to take away from what they've done this year and accomplished. And I think they're getting healthy at the right time. But going before this news of Hyde, the big one was, man, that hole that Hamlin 
left and that there was already a drop off at the safety position. And now you're going to your fifth, sixth safety options. If we're all, if we're being serious here, right? Like Jaquan Johnson going into the year was the third safety. He played his way out of that. So Hamlin was really your fourth safety already. So you're already down your fourth safety starting. Mm -hmm. And then you get Cam Lewis. That's what fifth safety. And now you're going to Marlowe. So you're into your like depth of sixth safety potentially going into the playoffs and in a game against this Miami Dolphins team with a Skylar Thompson at quarterback, like, okay, maybe you win a couple of those shots, but I don't think it's enough to overcome the bills team. So you can kind of probably hide that in a game like this, but against the Cincinnati Bengals against the Kansas city chiefs, like those are the matchups that would just keep me up at night. As much as I love Dean Marlowe, as much as I like Cam Lewis, like they're just not built for those types of games and these types of teams. Uh, Micah Hyde is even to Micah Hyde at, 75 80 is like this is a huge substantial if it is able to work out and so when we got that news my first mental reaction pat was all right this might just be another feel good story to get him in the practice field to get him on the practice field with cam lewis and dean marlowe and just get that sort of coach atmosphere and get the guys rah rah up and excited but then i heard micah hyde's press conference and the way he was talking about this injury and the way he was chomping at the bit to get on the field and he's yeah. ready to go today I think he's going to, if the Bills advance, which I totally expect them to do, I do think he's going to play in that Cincinnati game. And I think he's going to play well. Like he sounds mentally there. He sounds fresh, healthy, ready to go. I think he's ready and chomping at the bit to play. And that changes everything. All those things you were talking about, about, you know, I I think it's going to help the Bills defensive line get more pressures because they're going to be able to go back to disguising more coverages. There's going to be some seamless communication between he and Poirier. You saw Poirier, and Marlowe trying to communicate a lot of stuff out in that New England game. And that's against Mac Jones and uh, Devontae Parker, right? Like you're going to have bigger challenges where just even the experience of Micah having played in these big games, even if he's not fully healthy, is such a substantial advantage to anyone else that you're going to be able to roll out. It's insane. Uh, it, it, It just adds to the crazy story of the adversity of this team too. Like it really is shaping up for the best 30 for 30 ever. It really is. This is yeah. this is this season has been absolutely nuts on and obviously off the field as well. Real quick here, because I do got a couple other things I want to get to, but it's kind of a package deal. I think you might use at least I could be wrong, but it seems like you're you're more intrigued by Jameson Crowder also practicing than I am. I look at it this way. Let's pretend Jameson Crowder was completely healthy today and he could play in a game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Does he have a path to get in on this game day roster? Like who comes out? I don't think I don't think he's got a path right now. If it was uh, so this is like talking about music lists, right? Like if this was Aaron Quinn's team and I was doing the game day active roster and Jameson Crowder was healthy uh, already to this point and all things were equal in terms of health. I would I, Isaiah McKenzie would be a healthy scratch That's for me. I, I don't know. Um, to me, like this is nothing against Isaiah McKenzie. And I feel like people probably think I pile on this guy. It's nothing against them. I just don't uh, as a player. I don't think that the traits that he possesses are special enough to warrant the spot that he gets uh, and the touches that he gets. When I think that there's guys on the team that have the same traits and offer more, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the gadget role could be Hines, Cook, Shakir. Um, I think Crowder can do it if healthy. And I do think Crowder, to me, the idea of Jamison Crowder, even in a, a share of those snaps in McKenzie's share, I think, adds a level of production and trust in the slot position that you haven't had since right. 2020 Cole Beasley. Cause Cole was banged up a little bit last year. And so to me, there's like a lot of conversation right now about wide receiver two and the lack of production from Gabe Davis and being concerned about Gabe Davis. I actually have more concerns about getting production out of the slot consistently and making that slot position wide receiver two. And then I have concerns about Gabe Davis. So the reason I'm excited about Crowder is it offers you more, opportunities to get something going at the slot. I don't disagree with what you're saying. My, when I say that's not happened, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I don't think the bills are going to do that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I sure. probably would agree with you. I think from a, a bill's point of view, if Jameson Crowder is to see any action, if they go far enough or if he's ready to go, it would come at the expense of either Khalil Shakir being sure. active on game day, which I would not like that. Or they don't, don't elevate Brown or Beasley, neither of them. And then you have Crowder because they've been elevating a wide receiver each week, which by the way, side note, you got a playoff game against Miami unlimited. Now you got Brown, you got Beasley, you can elevate one. Who are you elevating? 
Well, and so like this game would be also a good one for McKenzie because I think they play a lot of man and blitz. And so I would go with the speed. I think in this one, I think I would go with John Brown and McKenzie and just go speed and say, send some of these guys deep and see if you can take some of those shots. Maybe that one play last week against New England ignites Brown a little more, gives Josh Allen a little more confidence, gives the Bills offense of coordinator Ken Dorsey a little more confidence. Um, I I can see him playing. We talk about, well, you mentioned it. We didn't really talk about it today and we won't today, but Gabe Davis, some of his struggles, you know, having John Brown out there, a speed threat might uh, help open things up too. And if you're not relying too much, um, on dig. So anyway, that was the second part is high being available or the practice window starting. And then of course the big news minutes later, Miami has Mike McDaniel as a press conference and we find out that Tua is officially out for the game. Yeah. Um, Teddy Bridgewater's also hurt. I'm not ready to say for sure. hundred percent Skylar Thompson's playing they are on, on ex- Sunday. The news so, as of yesterday was that is what they are practicing and preparing for. Preparing right, for. Right. Yeah. And, and again, I, a lot of I don't think, think the Bills be... are worried. I mean, it's not like they're like, oh my God, well, we still need to prepare really hard for Teddy Bridgewater. I, I don't see that happening. It's more than just two of them also, by the way. Um, yeah. Raheem Mostert, who I think really hurt the Bills. And you want to go back to that game a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think Miami might win that game if Mike McDaniel gets away from having two or throwing the ball more and they just keep pounding most because the bills did not have an answer. But anyway, he had broken thumb, thumb surgery. Don't, I wouldn't expect him to play Toronto Armstead. Jeff not. Wilson is playing in this one though, where I don't yeah. think he's as good, at, but he's a good back. Jeff he's a good back. back. Toronto Armstead, very unlikely to play. They're firing away their best lineman. So look, man, Miami is really injured at, at the wrong time of year. You know, the bills played them early in the year. It was game. It was week, what week three. Different story this time around. I don't care about the injuries. No excuse. You know, right. um, I wrote, I, I, I got to look it up real quick. So I, I wrote a little paragraph for, for Blue Wire Network. They ask us, the football podcasters, that just have a couple sentences about the playoffs and what we think. And I and this mm-hmm. was my saying. Let me know. If, I'm sure you agree with this. I said the Kansas City Chiefs got a free ride that AFC divisional round, but it sure feels like the Buffalo Bills also drew a first round by. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation going into the playoffs. If your focus is... Let's get the easiest path to the divisional round. You're playing a Miami team. I know they're in the division, and I know they still yeah. got some good players. But, man, I, I mean, it couldn't go any better for the Bills, considering the team you're, is literally limping in the playoffs, hypothetically and realistically getting into the playoffs. So banged yeah. up. No quarterback. Their best lineman's out. Their best running back's probably out. And other injuries as well, man. This is just a yeah, – even this if they're healthy – you're pushing towards like a 14, 14 and a half spread. Some people are projecting uh, by yeah. game time, um, which is so significant in the playoffs. Like th- these are supposed to be tight matchups. I think each round last year was all one score games, except for that Bills Patriots game. Uh, weren't wasn't like most one score games in playoff mm-hmm. history or something like that. So I wouldn't expect that for all of Wild Card Weekend is actually shaping up for pretty much blowouts, except for that uh, Bucks. Uh, Cowboys game. Everything else is looking like blowouts, and this one is looking like the biggest of the week. It's got the biggest spread. Yeah, that Tua news is just devastating. We had Tom uh, from Dolphins Talk on our podcast last night. He's a great follow um, for anyone on Twitter. He's a really cool Dolphins fan, and he I just felt so bad for him when he came on our show and sat in the green room. I was just like, look, man, like, thanks for being a good sport and coming on tonight, because I, I don't know that I would if we got that kind of news heading in the playoffs. If, if you were going in the playoffs with say you know Steph Diggs with a broken something and Josh Allen is out with concussion protocol like you were just and you know Dawkins is a probably out yeah like hurt and you just yeah and your job is probably Chubb's still not practicing I forgot to even mention that you know that's they gave up a first round pick for so yeah it'd be like Rizzo not playing potentially either I mean it's it would be uh and just you know we can say whatever we want about Dolphins fans. I actually don't interact with that real quick. I don't interact with other fans all that much. I see all the complaining about like, oh, these fan bases suck, but whatever. There's still fans at the end of the day. They put a lot into this. And to have your first playoff game in six years be with this roster and this shambles of a team, while the other team we just talked about is yeah. getting healthy at the right time and they're the Super Bowl favorites uh, all preseason long. Like, uh, it just couldn't go any two different ways. I kind of feel bad. I do feel, well, the part of me that wants, I just want the easiest path to the Super Bowl and just get one freaking Super Bowl in my life. Sure. Uh, so I don't care about that. But do, as a football fan, I do feel part of us was raw because I do believe the Miami Dolphins rivalry is back. I think they're going to be good it, for absolutely. a few years. 
Uh, and I, part of me wants to see kind of those teams go at it for a third time in a big game and kind of see what happens in terms of just like good rivalry. You look back at some of those 90s playoff matchups, like that's what ignites really great all-time rivalries. I agree. And look, man, I, you, you, you got to admit this much, whether people want to say it this way. I said this on Twitter and kind of somehow I ended up getting blasted for it. I don't even know how it's possible, but you know how Bill's fans could get. Look, there's no pressure on the Miami Dolphins. They None have person on the world thinking they're going to win. All of the pressure is on the Bills. I can't remember. You can't fumble game. this game away. Yeah. You, you can't lose this game. So I said all the pressure's on the Bills. If they lose this game, being the Super Bowl. It'll be favorites, the Billsiest thing ever. Basically, all of 2022, the winter, the spring, going into the summer, the season, mm-hmm. they've been the Super Bowl favorites. Um, all the stuff that's happened off mm-hmm. the field. This feels like they've maintained the the stats to prove that those Super Bowl favorites weren't incorrect. Like they won 13 games. They were top five offense, defense, special teams. Like this is a good football team. And you go back to last year in the 13 seconds and the fact that Bill should have went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. If they were to lose in the first round against a third string quarterback. Oh my God. This would be, you know, kind of go back to when I was talking at the beginning of the show, just a season can end abruptly and the content and having a, you know, not taking a break, putting it out. You have to admit, as a content creator, forget about how the Bills feel or the fans, even us. Let's be selfish here for a second. Can you imagine? It's hard to even imagine. But Greg, Greg and Aaron do a, a live post game show after Greg every Bills game it. on cover Greg one. Won't do it if we lose can this you, game. Can you? Would he? Would he not do it? Can you? Imagine? It would push him, man. I think that would be his breaking point. He's always done the show. We got on after thirteen seconds. I don't know if he would do it. I could, I could potentially in my mind see next week uh, a scenario where my first podcast of the week is talking about a really tough divisional round loss to Cincinnati. I could at least see that in my mind. Or yeah. if Cincinnati were to lose somehow to Baltimore, I could see a, even you know maybe the Lamar Chargers or Jaguars and, uh, upset them. I just sure. can't envision getting on this microphone next week and talking about a Bills loss to a third-string quarterback at home, the Miami Dolphins, their divisional rival. Mm-hmm. in the first round, which makes all the pressure. Now, people turn that around and we're talking about how the Dolphins had no chance. I'm like, no shit. That's why I'm saying the Nobody Bills thinks have, they have a chance. Yeah. No, no, nor should anyone think they have no. a chance. There's just, there's not. Well, I saw a tweet excuse. earlier of um, one of the Dolphins beat guys from yesterday put out uh, the, they were all dancing and like high five and stuff. And he's like, oh, the Dolphins feel loose. I'm like, God damn, they better feel loose. They had, there is no pressure on them to come out and perform while well. everyone's expecting this game to be 35 to 10. 34 yeah. to 10, like everyone in the world, uh, that, that is the fear, right? Is like, you'll get all the national broadcasts that lean up to the game. It'll just be a slate of everybody picking the bills. The bills have the pressure to go out and win this game. And now Greg Thompson made a great point on our show last night, because I was getting frustrated at the idea of like, I think a bad case scenario, I mean, the worst case scenario is losing this game, right? Like, which there's a path they could run the ball, score 20 points, if they got a bunch of turnovers, they can limit the bills that they were the only sure. team to limit the bills to under 20 points. Like there, I don't think this Dolphins team is going to come out and drop 30. I think there's a path to them trying to limit the ball and, and old school run the clock out type game. Um, but Greg made a great point that it ultimately won't matter how the bills win. Even if it is a close game or closer than we want, this is elimination football. So just sure. winning is good enough. But my point was, the way this game is set up and the way this season has been and you're getting healthy at the right time, I think it's imperative to go and blow this team out and handle business and get healthy and get Josh Allen out of that game as soon as possible and just make it, I I think it would be a huge problem for the Bills if they're, if this is one of those games, they got to grind out a victory into the fourth quarter. Like I don't need them to exhaust any more energy handling this win than they need to, to save that energy here through this playoff run. Like to bring it back to basketball, uh, I think it was last year, the year before Celtics, I felt like were probably the team that should have won the NBA finals, but they had like four, seven game series leading into the finals. And I think by the time they got to the finals, they were just too, it was too much. I think football can be that same way as the, the context of how you win those games and, and the energy that you exert to get it done. And that's what would be my problem of going into kind of a lame game where all the pressure is on you. Sure. That's the downside. The upside is they're the better team. Just go out and stop them. And you might get Josh Allen and a lot of these guys getting the fourth quarter off. That would I hope be so. God. Let me it's end. my birthday. That's all I want for my birthday is just a dominating Bills victory. Oh, it's Sunday? Yeah, January 15th, 39. My last trip around the 30s. <laughs> 
I'm going to end this episode with a bold prediction. I know the uh, trendy thing. Everyone always tries to come up with an upset in the first round. Yeah. The trendy thing is saying that the Giants are going to beat the Vikings. And I get the logic behind that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw something bold at you, though. Mm-hmm. I think the Baltimore Ravens can beat the Cincinnati Bengals. With who's is it going to be? Probably Hunley. Hunley. I mean, Lamar, they're still, it's still allegedly Anderson, is it Hunley. Yeah. He's sore, but he, he was throwing at practice. Lamar's still not practicing. I'm just, here's my real quick point. They're playing each other for the third time. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, their games are always close. Mm-hmm. Um, Cincinnati had a lot to play for last week. Baltimore rested Andrews. They rested J.K. Dobbins. They got a good defense. They can run the ball. They can control the ball. I'm not saying, you know, they, you should sure. bet the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm just telling you, people were sounding like it would be the Dolphins beating the Bills. To me, it's not. Cincinnati is yeah. a very good team. Cincinnati could very well beat the Bills and the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that can't happen. But I'm telling you, man, don't sleep on the Ravens. They got a good defense. They got playmakers on offense or at least control the clock. Keep that game close. Get it down to the last seven, eight minutes of one possession game, and anything can happen. I, I would not be st- – nobody knows the Cincinnati Bengals better than the Ravens is what I'm saying. Yeah. And and who knows? Maybe Lamar does. He hasn't practiced in like 30-some days, so I, I don't see it happening. But I don't know, man. I, I just get this gut feeling that that's going to be a uh, – a really close game very late. Yeah, I like it. Um, I, I think that's, in terms of upsets, uh, I think that's a fair one to pick for sure. Yeah, and, and, and look, if Cincinnati blows him out, I'm just going to make sure the last five minutes of this podcast gets uh, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> deleted forever. Anyway, make sure you follow Aaron on Twitter at AaronQuinn716. Wish him a happy birthday on Sunday. Sure, and then man. after the Bills game on Sunday, make sure you head right on over to Cover One. They will be live, Aaron and Greg. Hopefully talking about a comfortable, stress-free, injury-free Buffalo Bills victory. As you're doing the show, buddy. Thank you, man. Good to see you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.